<laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad, glad to have you here. Uh, for, those, uh, for those of you who are watching online and don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the pastor here at Living Hope. And we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that that's true, that, that the Lord is with us, that uh, he meets us right where we live. And I am so grateful for that. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. God, thank you for meeting us here. <clears throat> we believe, I mean, we know in our heads that you're everywhere and, and, uh, and that there's no place that we go that you're not already there. But God, sometimes we need the truth of that to sink into our hearts so that we can believe it, so that we can kind of know it in our bones that you are with us. And today, God, I pray you'd make that a reality for us, that you would help us uh, to be open to your presence, that you'd help us to be aware of your love and your grace and your strength and your wisdom and all that you have for us. God, you know that we walk into these times of worship uh, sometimes just full of joy and thanks and praise, and we can't wait to, to sing to you and all the rest. And other times, God, we walk into these uh, times of worship full of need, uh, full of grief, full of pain or confusion or shame. And God, we need you to meet us here and to give us your mercy and grace, to, uh, to give us strength, to give us wisdom, to give us all that you have for us. So would you help us today to be open to you? Help us as we sing to you. Help us as we pray to you. Help us as we listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures. Help us as we gather around the table of our Lord Jesus in, in all that we do in this service. Help us to be open to you. You are here. and You've got us here because you love us. So help us, God to be open to receive that love, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you are uh, willing, able, let's stand and let's sing.
of life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And grace.
I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God But now listen to the Lord who created you. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Continue in prayer with me, would you? Lord, we thank you that you are the God that keeps us from drowning when we go through deep waters. You are the Lord who rescues us in those places that we just don't see a way out. You are the Lord who walks with us regardless of what fire we face, what disaster we face, what day-to-day we face, Lord. You are there with us, walking with us, walking not just beside us, but all around us, Lord, our safe place, our place of refuge. We thank you, Father, for that truth and that reality. Though it may not seem that way all the time, Lord, we can trust, we can trust that we are yours and you have us in the palm of your hand. Lord, what a, what a comfort that is with all the stuff we see going on around us, with all this, this stuff that's happening in our world today, some of it close to home, some of it in our home, some of it far away with people that we will never know. You still are God there, just like you're God right here in this place this morning. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you for that truth and that reality. I thank you for inviting us here this morning, for each and every person that's with us in this room, each and every person that's joining us online now or later. Lord, may everything that happens here be a blessing to each one, and may it glorify and honor you. We thank you for this beautiful day that you gave us this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have designed the seasons for us. Lord, I know I've talked with other people in this this season of fall that we now find ourselves in. Oh, the glory of the colors that you give us that are just starting to show. The beauty that, yes, spring is wonderful and we see the earth coming back alive, but to watch the earth go to sleep as it prepares for winter, prepares for a season of what seems like darkness, Lord. Yet knowing that that the, the light of spring will come again, just like you, Lord, will come again, regardless of what darkness we may see right now. Oh, Lord, <laughs> we thank you for that beauty. We thank you for each of your blessings. I pray you'll be with the remainder of this service, with Pastor Rich as he brings us your word, Lord. Give him a special anointing this morning. We pray all of these things in your name, because you alone are worthy and you're the only name that in which that, that we can pray these things. And we thank you and honor you, glorify you, and worship you this morning. Amen and amen. 
And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you, thank you. Take a moment, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. Hopefully everybody got one of these little handouts when you came in, let you know what's going on around here. If not, there's usually a couple more in the, yeah, there's some more on the table back there. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've got uh, pictures in there, uh, or if I do, you might have to skip them, but uh, on the back, there's a little mention that uh, uh, it's the last call for the used bras. If you have bras that you're wanting to give for, uh, for free the girls, uh, you need to get them in by next Sunday, because uh, they are not going to be collecting them anymore after that. You'll have to find some other use for them. And if you want to know more about uh, how they help women uh, who are escaping uh, from sex trafficking and that sort of thing, go to freethegirls.org. Uh, there's still a new Bible study coming up for women that's starting up in just a couple, couple of weeks, oh, like a week from uh, Tuesday. And, uh, and then you'll see on there a, a wedding invitation. We don't often have a wedding invitation on our bulletin, but uh, this is happening right here on Sunday morning, October 8th. So two weeks from today. Wow, it's, it's almost here. Uh, it's exciting. Um, so some of you guys have uh, met Ryan and Allison. Uh, we baptized their little baby, Lucas, not too many weeks ago. And uh, they are tying the knot right here in between the services on October 8th. So we would love to have you here to celebrate. And then what we'd love to do for them, because uh, I don't know, if you know their story, uh, Ryan and Allison right now don't have much of anything. Uh, they're staying at the Family Promise Shelter up in Portage. Uh, when we met them, they were living in their car out here until their car broke down and was lost with all the stuff that was in it. And, and uh, so they are rebuilding. And uh, Ryan's working uh, at Applebee's. He's doing well. He's loving that. And uh, Allison's doing her best to, to be mom to Lucas. And uh, we would love to provide them with like a, a meal uh, after the second service then that Sunday. So we would love to do a carry-in lunch that day if you're willing to provide some food. So um, if you are willing. So the idea is that Sunday we'll have this 9 o'clock service like we always do. And you're willing to, if you're willing, you can stick around and uh, celebrate their, their wedding vows and all that in between the services. And then we'll do a second service, like we always do, and then we'll have lunch. So it's a lot like last week with the birthday party, uh, which thank you guys for making that a lot of fun. Uh, if you would like to bring in food a couple weeks from now uh, for this little celebration, uh, wedding celebration lunch, we'd love to, to have you participate. So just drop us a note, let us know, like, yep, I'll bring something so that we know we've got some food on its way and we'll know how much we have to, like, where the holes are that we need to fill and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so that's two weeks from today, Sunday, October 8th, as Allison and Ryan... Uh, commit themselves to each other in marriage. So it's kind of fun. I was just, uh, just last night um, doing a wedding. So now I get to do another one in, in two weeks. So anyway, not very often we get to do them on Sunday morning and that you all get to be invited just by nature of being at church. So, but that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, oh, I did not mention that, of course, we would love to have you fill out one of those little uh, connect cards, those little green cards in the back. Let us know we can pray for you. That's where you can jot a note saying, yeah, sure, I'll bring some fried chicken, or yeah, I'll bring, you know, this, you know, grape salad, or whatever it is that you're bringing. I don't know. There was all kinds of yummy stuff last week. So if you're bringing something, uh, you can jot it on that note, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect, and you let us know that way, uh, or any way you choose to say that, yep, here's what I'm bringing, or hey, here's how you can pray for us, or man, I'm thanking God, and I want to share it with the rest of our church family. Uh, you can jot it on one of those notes, drop it in the offering box, and if you're giving today, uh, you can do that there as well. Uh, thank you again to all of you who so faithfully give. Um, for those of you who might be new around here, this church doesn't have some, there's not like some big account somewhere or some other agency that funds this church. Uh, all the ministry we do week in, week out happens because uh, all of us who call this church home give. 
because we decide we believe in this church, in the mission that it's doing here in the, in the community and around the world as a part of the Church of Nazarene. And so uh, thank you for those of you who faithfully give. Some of you do like we do. You just set it and forget it online. Uh, every month we have a, a gift that moves from our checking account to the church. Uh, and uh, we just went to livinghope.info slash give and set that up. And uh, that's great. You know, that's, that's wonderful. Some of you, uh, you drop it in the box on Sunday morning. And uh, however you choose to give is, is a beautiful thing. Thank you to those of you who so generously give to help uh, this church continue the work that we're doing. Um, <clears throat> so today, uh, as far as the message goes, uh, we are wrapping up the book of Acts today. Next Sunday, we start the book of Romans, which is very convenient in your Bibles because they're right next to each other. Uh, but so the last page of Acts just goes right into the first page of Romans. So if you're reading along, you can just keep on reading. Uh, but today we are wrapping it up. And uh, by looking at the, what is this story, uh, the book of Acts um, reminds us just how important it is, the stories that we tell ourselves, right? Uh, have you ever thought about the story that you tell yourself about who you are, the life that you live, all of that? Um, all of us, we, as we make our way through life, if, if we have hope, it's because we're living in a, in a story that gives us hope. If we are hopeless, it's because we're living in a story that we don't see a future for ourselves in. Um, all kinds of stories that we get told all sorts of times, all different ways. Uh, I just heard it uh, yesterday. We were out uh, at Westside Park. A friend of ours, uh, her kid was in a soccer game, and so we were out there to cheer him on. And um, they had come to our kids' soccer games, you know, last year, and it's our turn to return the favor. And the, the team was down. All right? The other team had scored a couple goals on them, and there was a parent on the sidelines that I could hear yelling encouragement to his kid out there. And he says, hey, come on, you know, it's 0-0. Don't worry about it. Let's just play. And he was trying to help his kid get out of a story that says, oh, no, this team's better than us. We're going to lose. This is no fun, right? He was trying to help reset his kid's mindset, say, look, let's just play like it's 0-0, zero, zero. Like, like the score is tied, like we're just starting out so, I, so he could play well and so he could play hard and so he could focus on, you know, scoring that next goal. That, it wasn't 0-0. Zero, zero. The team lost by just a little bit. It was close, though. They almost won. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we have all kinds of stories that we tell ourselves or that others tell us. Uh, some of you, um, you've had people telling you a story since you were young that, uh, that you're no good, that you don't measure up, that everyone else is smarter than you, that other people might, might uh, become something in life, but, but you're never going to really amount to much. And you internalize that story, and you've been repeating it to yourself ever since. And you've been, that's the script that's been playing in your mind. And so as there have been opportunities to try something new, to go for something, you have said, Ah, no, somebody else will take that. That's not for me. And you've been afraid to jump on, you've been unwilling to jump on opportunities because you thought you couldn't hack it. You thought you couldn't measure up. All because someone told you that years ago. While others of you, and maybe you're just, just equally skilled, equally smart, you know, but others of you, you had someone who told you from a young age, you can do this. Oh, yeah, you're, you're capable, you're smart, you can do this. Yeah, let's go for it. Someone who encouraged you to try, and you tried, and sometimes you failed, but when you did, you had someone that was telling you, hey, that's all right, man, let's try, let's try again. We all, we all fail sometimes. Let's keep going. And they encouraged you to keep on trying, and you did, and you succeeded, and so you've not been afraid to tackle opportunities, and your life has shown that. We all have different stories that we tell ourselves. Uh, sometimes we are the victim in the story we tell ourselves. Sometimes we're the hero and, uh, and it enables us to really take action no matter what our circumstances are. Sometimes it's, it's somebody else's story and we get swept up in it. And that's what happens in the Bible. 
especially in the book of Acts, we see that there's a larger story that we're all getting swept up in. And it's a good story. It's a hopeful story. It's a story that involves every last one of us and gives us a role to play. Um, now, I just wanted to, I've got the first verses of Acts in your notes and the very last verses of Acts in your notes. And in between, we're just going to hit a couple highlights, okay? Uh, at the very beginning, um, Luke, the author, says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. He's referring back to the Gospel of Luke, where he'd written about Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And, uh, and this is like, part two. So this is Luke continuing the story for some guy named Theophilus, which is like a Greek name that means lover of God. And so we don't know if this is just he's writing this for a general audience, if he's writing it to a particular person, but he didn't want to use their name. And he's saying, look, I I know you love God. And so I'm, I'm writing this to you so that you know the story. He wants this person who's apparently not from a Jewish background, not familiar with the whole Old Testament story and all that uh, God had been doing through the people of Israel uh, that we've been reading about earlier this year. And he's in this book, he's trying to kind of catch them up with some of that story and help them to see what happens next after Jesus. And so we read about, um, and Pastor Judy mentioned this the first, the first week, kicking this off, that, uh, that Jesus and the disciples were together after Jesus had risen from the grave, defeated death. And the disciples gather around him and ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The story they saw themselves as a part of was one that, oh, okay. God is going to restore Israel to its rightful place. We're going to be in charge. We're going to rule alongside Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed king. This is the story they're anticipating that they're going to be a part of. And Jesus still is saying, no, that's, that's still not the direction we're going, guys. <laughs> he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. You're not going to know when this is going to happen, when the end will come, when all things will be set right. But you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he's told them, hey, you're going to wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come. I've promised it. You're going to receive it. And when the Holy Spirit does come upon you, you're going to receive power. You're going to be my witnesses everywhere. And then he, like, shoots up into the sky, and they can't see him because the clouds hide him. So really weird part of the story. Anyway, so that's what happens. Chapter 2, we've been reading about this. We've been talking about this. The Holy Spirit is poured out. There's a sound of a wind. There's tongues of fire speaking different languages they never learned. And Peter explains this is for everyone. He quotes the prophet Joel, says this is for young and old, men and women. doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from. Last week we emphasized this is a church for all people and talked about how God's Holy Spirit, as the story continues, gets poured out on Jews and Gentiles alike. So it doesn't even matter your religious background, your ethnic background. doesn't matter who you are. For all people, God is giving this gift of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts, even though it's called Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts is the story of God's spirit at work in the world. The story of how God's spirit takes these, all these folks from all different walks of life, ordinary people like you and me, and sweeps them up into the grand story of God and, and the work that God's doing in the world and enables them to be pivotal parts of it, to have a role to play in seeing God's good work done in the world. This is the story that we are invited to see ourselves as part of today. That whoever you are, young, old, man, woman, whatever your background might be, doesn't matter if you grew up in a religious home and you've been to goody two-shoes all your life, or if your story has got a whole lot more in it than that. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, you can be swept up into the story of God's work in the world by his Holy Spirit 
This gift, Peter said, was, is for you, for your children, for all who are far, for all whom the Lord our God will call, for anyone who repents, turns from their sin, turns to God, receive the gift of this Holy Spirit. We see it continue in the next couple of chapters. Uh, um, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray, and they see this man uh, who's lame, can't walk on the side of the road. He's begging, and, and they say, look, we don't have money to give you, but you know what? Somehow they knew in that moment God's Holy Spirit wanted to do a, a work, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the guy does. He gets up. He walks. There's a huge commotion. Peter and John are telling the crowd like, hey, this is because of Jesus and what God has done through Jesus. You know, you all killed him. <laughs> you didn't recognize he was the Messiah, but God raised him from the dead. He's unstoppable. And now he's, you know, healed this man right here. The people in charge in Jerusalem didn't like that, right? The, the people who had actively taken a role in getting Jesus killed, didn't like that they were saying this. They're in the temple courts. They have Peter and John arrested, and the next day they call them out. And this is what is in your notes from Acts chapter 4. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, not just on his own, not out of some wisdom that he had accumulated over the years, uh, but Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, and then he quotes one of the Psalms, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is the story of, of, of Jesus. This is the story of, of the book of Acts. Unschooled, ordinary men who have been with Jesus placed in difficult circumstances and God's Holy Spirit guiding them, giving them wisdom in that moment, saying, here's the words to say. Jesus had actually told them this ahead of time. He said, look, don't freak out when you're called in, in, when you're on trial, when you're called up in front of leaders and, and you know, people you have to give an account to. He says, the Spirit will give you the words to say. You'll be guided in that moment. And sure enough, it's, it's happening. It's coming true. What Jesus promised, he's fulfilling. The Holy Spirit is enabling them not just to do amazing things and continue the work of Christ, but, but to speak on his behalf. This is, this is why I encourage you just, I mean, yeah, we want to be ready to share. The, the Bible tells us to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And so, yes, it's good to think about it and think, well, what is my story? What has God done in my life? And to think about the words you might use or the way you might put that story together. But you don't have to worry. If you have an opportunity and you do good for someone... You're led by the Spirit of God to show kindness to someone in need like they were. And God is at work and you have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. He'll give you the right words to say. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to be willing to participate in what the Spirit is doing. You just have to be ready and open. Say, okay, God, use me however you want. You can be unschooled, an ordinary person. God can work through you. Or you can be someone with all kinds of education. Later on, the Apostle Paul takes a major role in the book of Acts. And, and at one point when he's standing before a government official, uh, making his case, giving his defense, uh, the guy says, all your schooling has driven you mad. You know, he's, he's evidently, he's been very well educated. It doesn't matter. Educated, uneducated, ordinary, excellent, whatever. 
you spend time with Jesus, you're open to the work of his Holy Spirit, and God can work through you. This is the story that we're invited to see ourselves as a part of. Now, the apostles, uh, when they faced this opposition, they could have said, okay, guys, we have to be more careful now. They're on to us. They're watching. So let's just share this in secret. Let's just, let's go to people and say, "Mm, you you don't know the chief priest, do you? No. Do you want to hear about Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. You know, they don't, they don't keep it secret. Instead, they, they gather together, they pray, they ask God, please keep doing amazing things. Keep, keep working through your Holy Spirit. Keep working through us and give us boldness, they pray for, that we can continue to tell people about Jesus boldly. And it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So again, the Holy Spirit is active and at work in their lives. This is the point in the story where we have a similar kind of a mention back in Acts chapter 2 about how the church lived together. Then in Acts chapter 4, we have another similar uh, description. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is why if you, if you go to give online and you click the little drop-down to see, like, well, what do they have besides just the general fund to give to? You'll see one that's called Acts 4. And that's, that's for people when they want to give specifically to help someone in the church community who is in need. You can give to that Acts 4 fund, and it's just like what they did there. Like, you know what? I already am supporting the church, but I got a little extra. You know, this bonus happened to this you know, tax thing or whatever it was. I found myself with this extra. I'd like to give it specifically to help people who are in need in our church family. You can give to that Acts 4 fund, and as needs present themselves, people call me up. And it's like, Ugh, Pastor, I can't, I can't you know, finish off my rent payment this month or my utilities or, or whatever it might be. There's money there that we can say, oh, let us help. I go and check the Acts 4 fund balance. Like, yep, we can do that. And, and you provide help to other people in your church family. One of those that it mentions, I didn't put this in your notes, uh, they specifically mention a guy named Barnabas who had done this, who sold some property and came and, and brought it. And he shows up in just a minute with, with Saul. As the story continues, there's this uh, food distribution program. The church is helping to feed the widows uh, among them. And there's a glitch. There's a problem. Like the, the widows who speak Hebrew, uh, the Jewish background folks, they're getting their food, no problem. But the ones who speak Greek, they're being overlooked somehow. And, uh, and so people speak up like, hey, uh, this isn't fair. This isn't right. The church isn't quite doing this right. We've got, we got an issue we need to address. And the apostles say, oh, you're right. We've got to address this. Um, okay, we can't stop and, and start running the food distribution program. We're really busy with you know, going out and telling people about Jesus. But they say, uh, I put this in your notes, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. They're like, this needs to happen. Uh, we can't do it. So just pick some people. There's, it's almost like they're saying, there's plenty of you. You're full of spirit, smart, wisdom, you, wise, make good decisions. Choose seven and let them run with it. And so they do. They choose seven people and they, and they run with it. This is something we see happen over and over again in the book of Acts. You know, that leadership grows and gets distributed. And uh, later on, as the Apostle Paul is going around telling people about Jesus, new little churches are being formed, they spend enough time with them, and then they're like, they pick some elders among them, which basically just like, okay, you're mature. You know, you can, you can lead. Uh, You've got enough understanding. You can, you can kind of shepherd this little thing. Keep people on track. Don't let them get too far off track. We'll be back later to check on you. And they, and they keep going. And they, they pick leaders from among themselves. 
to do what needs to be done. So not everybody uh, is up front, you know, preaching, or not everybody's appearing before the, you know, out in the temple courts uh, proclaiming stuff. Some people are, are waiting tables. Some people are giving generously. We all have a role to play. But, but even then, Stephen, who is one of the people in charge of this food distribution program, you keep reading and like, oh, he's out there too. He's telling people about Jesus. God's doing miracles through him. It's amazing. And then he gets in trouble. He gets called before the religious authorities. And he's the first martyr. He's the first one who gives his life for Jesus in the book of Acts. Um, and as he is kind of making his defense, we see another odd little feature of the book of Acts. Uh, if you read this in Acts chapter, I forget now, it was seven, I want to say, um, Acts chapter seven or eight, as, as Stephen is kind of answering the charges that have been brought against him, he starts like, retelling their people's story from Abraham, the time of Abraham, and all the way through, like, uh, up to Moses and, and beyond. And he's, like, telling this big chunk of the Old Testament story. And it's like, why is, why is this happening? Why is he going all the way back to here? And I think, at least in part, Luke is highlighting, he's making sure that his readers, who aren't real familiar with the Old Testament story, they've encountered Jesus, they believe in Jesus, and they know Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, but they don't know that whole story. Luke makes sure that in the book of Acts, he includes like important elements of the Old Testament story. And so Stephen has reached back and told some of it. We'll hear Paul reach back and tell some of it. I think Peter has one of those too. There are like two or three times where they reach back and they tell like sections of the story of the people of Israel in different moments. Because again, Luke is trying to make sure that they know there's a bigger story here that you get to be a part of. And, and we don't want to just think life is all about me and my problems and, and Jesus rescuing me from this and then I'm just kind of out here to do whatever, you know. I don't know, okay, I guess I'll just trust Jesus. And it's like, no, no, you're part of this big story of God's work in the world. And as you trust Jesus, as you're led by his spirit, as he gives you the ability to do amazing things, you're going to be a part of this work that God's doing in the world. Where the hungry are fed, where people's needs are met, where more and more people get to hear this good news about Jesus. We all get to be a part of this big story. Now, uh, we're not going to walk through the entire book of Acts, obviously, but I, as I was thinking through, like, man, this is the story of the Spirit, there were a couple of moments that I just thought, oh, you know what, we should highlight this, this moment, like in Acts 13, uh, where some um, Christians are gathered there in, in Antioch, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So somehow the Holy Spirit said this, all right, it doesn't say how, doesn't say he dropped them a note. Doesn't say the Holy Spirit spoke through this person. The Holy Spirit said, set apart from me. So I'm guessing as they were gathered together that like God spoke through someone. Someone like, you know, I really feel like God's saying, we're supposed to set apart Barnabas and Saul. That he's got work for him to do. And that somebody else in the gathering said, I was just thinking the exact same thing. And like the Holy Spirit is impressing this upon them. And they're willing to open their mouths and share what they believe God's saying to them. And there's like, yes. We, and so they're able to just summarize that by saying, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, sailed from there to Cyprus, and then it starts telling all these travel stories. The book of Acts is filled with travel stories, especially about Paul. He travels all over the Mediterranean world, telling people about Jesus, getting into all kinds of trouble. And, uh, and there's some fun stories in there. I just want to highlight this little moment where, like, when the people of God gather and we're praying, we're talking to God, we're listening for God, sometimes God speaks and invites us to, again, be a part of the story. 
I'm glad that in this gathering they were listening for what the Holy Spirit was saying so that Barnabas and Saul could know, yes, God wants us to take this trip. They were able to say, we've been sent by the Holy Spirit. Now, they're, they're sent by their friends in Antioch, right? You know, it's not like the Holy Spirit showed up, you know, in, you know, bodily form and did this. No, the Holy Spirit's at work through the community, authorizing them, empowering them, sending them on their way for this missionary journey. And the same thing happens today. As the people of God gather and listen for God speaking, God continues to speak. God continues to send. God continues to enable people. Uh, we see another moment like this in Acts chapter 15. We talked about it last week. You know, Peter had this vision of the animals in the, in the blanket or whatever, and, and uh, God uses that to help him to, to be willing to go and talk to this Roman centurion, this Gentile, to enter his house. And we see the Holy Spirit given to Gentiles. And, and um, when there's some issue with this, and people are like, okay, can Gentiles be followers of Jesus without converting to Judaism? And they have this little church council. We talked about this last week. They debate, discussion. And by the end of it all, they decide, yep, they don't have to convert to Judaism, but man, if they could just do this handful of things, it sure would make things easier for Jews and Gentiles to get along. And so the letter that they send includes this one little line. They said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I've always liked that line. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, not to burden you with too much, just these handful of, of things. If you could just do these, it, it would go well. To be able to come out of a, of a meeting, out of a time together and say, you know what, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit it seemed good to us. To have that kind of confidence that, you know what, yes, God is behind this. God is at work. It's not just an individual saying that. You know, if an individual says, if you ever have somebody walk up to you and say, God told me to whatever, you might want to take that with a really big grain of salt, okay? Because sometimes people think God told them all kinds of crazy stuff, okay? Uh, so if you just have an individual walk up to you and say, hey, the Holy Spirit told me this, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to bounce this off a few people, you know? Um, and any time that there's somebody in the book of Acts, really, I mean, we see it happen here again in just a moment, where God speaks to someone, like, directly through a dream or through a vision, we always see some other stuff come alongside to, like, confirm that or to help them to understand, yep, this really is what God wants you to do. And so I would encourage you to not just run with the first thing you feel like the Holy Spirit said, but, but bounce it off some people. Say, I really feel like God's telling me to do this. Okay, great. Let's pray about it. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's see. I mean, I, I had to do this back when I was in college and felt like God was wanting me to be a pastor. I was going to do something with computers. I, I enjoyed computers and was uh, just, I just changed my major to computer science. I really loved the programming class I had. And, and who knows what I'd be doing now. I'd probably be, I don't know, designing websites or something. I don't, I don't know what I'd be doing. But, um, but I felt like God tapped me on the shoulder during this prayer meeting saying he wanted me to be a pastor. Well, I had to bounce that off some folks, right? I told my friends, like, hey, I think God's told me he wants me to be a pastor. Here's what, here's what happened. I'm bouncing off my parents, and, you know, and, and everybody I talked to said, oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see you being a pastor. That, that kind of fits, you know. And my parents in particular said, uh, you know what, we, we didn't want to say anything, but we always kind of thought that was the direction God was leading you, but we didn't want it to come from us. We wanted to make sure that God talked to you about it. Um, and they really did a good job by that, because I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea up to that point that that was something they had in mind for me. Oh. I had to bounce it off of people. We all need to do that. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to move in this direction. Paul, there's a moment like this uh, 
It's kind of amazing the way God works through the story. Uh, in Acts 16, this is a weird one. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's weird. Like, they wanted to go there, and God wouldn't let them. It says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. I don't know what this looked like. I don't know if they were walking into an invisible wall. I don't know if, you know, they, every time they tried going down that road, they got a flat chariot tire. I don't, I don't know what it, how it was that God was preventing them from doing this, but they, maybe they just, every time they started going, they're just like, ooh, man, this just doesn't feel right. Guys, are you, yeah, me too. I don't, I don't think we're supposed to go there. I don't know what it was that God was doing, how he was at work, but somehow they were being prevented by God from going in the direction they wanted to go. So, so they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Interesting little moment here, by the way. Uh, at the beginning of that paragraph, Luke, the author, is saying, they did this, they did that. By the end of this paragraph, he's saying, we got ready, called us to preach. At some point in the story, Luke joins Paul's companions and is traveling with, with Paul, which is probably why he highlights so much of Paul's story in the book. Um, but, you know, Paul is not on his own. He gets this vision, but there's a group of them. And they all think, yep, all right, let's do that. And so they go together. And that's where some really cool stories take place. They end up in Philippi where Paul and Silas end up in jail. And during the night, they're singing hymns. And, and there's like an earthquake and the chains fall off and that whole story. And the, the jailer ends up coming to Jesus. And there's all kinds of amazing things that happen because they followed God's spirit and went the direction God wanted them to go. Paul, uh, as I mentioned, he gets into all kinds of trouble. And uh, just about every place he goes, uh, he gets shipwrecked, he gets snake bit, he gets, uh, people don't like him. There's like riots that start sometimes. Uh, one time they, they, stone, they think they've stoned him to death. They've, you know, beat him with rocks till they think he's dead and they drag his body outside of town and he survived. And his friends come out and they're like, oh, hey, let's get you out of here. And they, you know, they get him out of town and he moves on to the next town, keeps telling people about Jesus. He's just compelled by God's Holy Spirit to, to tell people about Jesus. He can't help himself. This is one reason I'm glad we've got the book of Acts in our Bibles, by the way. Uh, it's kind of a glue that connects those four Gospels about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to all these letters we have in the rest of the book. I mean, just imagine if Acts wasn't in there. We'd, we'd read about Jesus and his resurrection, and the apostles get sent out, and then we just have all these letters. Some of them are from Peter, and we know who Peter is, or James, or John. We're like, oh yeah, those are characters in the, in the story. But then there's all these letters from this Paul guy. Like, well, who's this? Acts is the book that tells us, oh, Paul is someone who had this amazing encounter with the risen Christ. Paul is someone who, you know, the, the, was eventually, because thanks to Barnabas, sorry, I mentioned Barnabas earlier, Barnabas comes alongside and kind of mentors Paul and helps Paul to, to find his way. Until finally, you know, they're sent out and they're set apart and God works through Paul in amazing ways. And in fact, some of, one theory about, the book of Acts ends really weird, all right? So Paul is making his way to Jerusalem where he gets in all kinds of trouble and then ends up appealing to Caesar because he's a Roman citizen and, uh, and ends up moving to Rome and on trial in Rome. By the end of the book, he's in Rome. And then it just kind of ends. And it's like, what is that? There's a theory that maybe Luke, one reason he's compiled this is that he's writing this to be part of Paul's defense that he presents in Rome for why he is doing what he's supposed to be doing, why he shouldn't be uh, executed for, uh, for whatever they're accusing him of doing. But 
Uh, but first, Paul, in all this trouble, as he's making his way toward Jerusalem, we have another little moment here in Acts chapter 20. It says, you know that I've not, this is Paul speaking, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And this is, this is what I do. It doesn't matter where. I've been consistent. You know. Haven't been playing tricks on anybody. I say it in public. I say it in private. I say it to anybody who'll listen. We've got to repent. We've got to turn to God. We've got to have faith in Jesus. This is the message that we preach here at Living Hope. I have for 23 years. Well, for as far as long as God gives me breath, as long as God lets us exist as a church, tell anybody that we can that, Yep, we got to turn to God. we got to repent. Say, God, I, I was living life one way. i gotta, I got to change gears. i got to follow you. i got to put my trust in Jesus. And then Paul says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. God had been gracious to Paul, and he was very aware of the ways that God had forgiven him. He had fought against the church in his earlier days, and God had forgiven him, and grace included him. You know, welcomed him to be part of the team and included him in the mission. He's like, man, I'm going to tell anybody I can of this good news of God's grace. And so sure enough, eventually, uh, several chapters and episodes later, he ends up in Rome. And, um, and he has a moment where he, these are the last verses of the book of Acts. He says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Remember, they've been told, you'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to all these other nations, these, these non-Jewish nations. And sure enough, it's made it all the way to Rome at this point. He says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then the book of Acts just ends. But the story, of course, does not end there, right? The story continues. It continued there in Paul's day and the letters that he wrote to the churches that he visited. It continues right up to this day. God's Holy Spirit continues to work in the world. He's continuing to do good. He's continuing to meet needs. He's continuing to help people discover this amazing grace that their sins can be forgiven, that their life can be turned around, that they can find joy and fulfillment and hope in him. And we all get to be a part of it. We all will have a different role to play. We all just kind of have to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do, here's what I've got. Here's my resources. Here's what you've made me to be. Here's what you've entrusted to me. It's all yours, God, and however, however you can use this for the good of your movement, for the good of your mission, for the good of your kingdom, for the good of the people you surrounded me with, please, God, I'm open. And if we approach God with that openness, who knows what God might do through you? Who knows what part you might get to play in seeing people's lives changed forever? Let's bow our heads and let's pray to him. Let's ask him to guide us in this before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Thank you for your amazing work in the world and this story that you sweep us up into, this, this story that, uh, that doesn't stop with the last chapter of Acts or with what Paul was doing there in Rome, but it continues right up to the present day to what your spirit is doing here in Valparaiso, in northwest Indiana, what your Holy Spirit is doing in our schools, in our workplaces, 
in our neighborhoods, in our families. God, you continue to reach out. You continue to, uh, to love. You continue to meet needs. You continue to call people to, to different types of work so that all the work can get done. God, help us to be open to your Holy Spirit. Help us to see that, that our story is not just about me and mine, but we are part of a much bigger story, and we have a role to play in it. Thank you, God. Thank you for the work you've been doing in each of our lives. God, you have, you have guided us. You have shaped us. You have helped us to learn through the experiences you've taken us through. You've, you've helped us to become the people we are right now today so that these people, those of us gathered here, as we are open to you, as we entrust ourselves to you, you alone know the good that can come, the beauty that can be created here in this world as we allow your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to empower us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love that you have for each and every one of us. Thank you that you've never given up on any of us. And when we're at our lowest point, God, you sent your son Jesus into our darkness to shine your light, into our brokenness to bring your healing. Jesus, you even joined us in the death that our sin brings so that by your death and resurrection you could break the power of sin and death and set us free. There is no reason for any of us to live as slaves to sin. There's no reason for any of us to live burdened by shame and guilt. There's no reason for any of us to live defeated. God, you have won the victory for us. And you have surrounded us with, with people, with help, ways that your Holy Spirit can be at work in our lives through others to give us all that we need to live the life you've created us to live. Thank you, God. We celebrate this with the sacrament of communion today, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Jesus, you held nothing back out of love for us, you gave your life to set us free. Thank you. Thank you for defeating sin and death on our behalf. You did what we could not do so that we can live this unbelievable life with you. God, today we offer you ourselves, admitting our need of your grace and mercy, confessing that we have not always loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. Far too often, God, we have tried to live this life our own way, under our own steam, instead of trusting you to guide us, instead of letting your Holy Spirit empower us. Today, God, we thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us, that you are no longer holding our sins against us. But instead, the scriptures say that we, you wash us you make us clean. You embrace us as your children. You give us the gift of your own life, your own Holy Spirit, so that we can live a new life with you. Help us today not to be satisfied with anything less than a life guided and empowered by your Holy Spirit. Help us, God, reframe our stories. Uh, help us to see ourselves as your kids, as a part of your grand story of redemption. 
so that we can see the roles that we might play. Thank you, God. Thank you. We are so grateful for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song. And I've asked Pastor Judy if she would uh, serve us the communion elements this morning. Uh, She'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And all of us are invited to come forward, uh, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice juice and and eat it, and return to our seats. We've got the regular bread, the little gluten-free wafers, or we've got the little cups if you need one of those. Uh, Or if you can't make your way forward, we've got the cups on the tables. And as we sing, you're invited to peel those back and get to the bread and get to the juice. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who join together with, with saints around the world, this is like a little, a little foretaste of the, the heavenly banquet someday, the heavenly gathering. As we gather together, uh, we'll get to the book of Revelation uh, at the end of the year. Uh, talks about the, the river of life that flows from the throne of God. And uh, I think that's the theme of the song that you're going to sing oh, for us now. Yeah, gathering at the river. Um, so this is, this is like that, a little foretaste of that moment as we join with Christians uh, around the world in coming to receive grace and life from our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate.
thank you, God, for the life that you pour into our lives by your Holy Spirit as we trust in our Lord Jesus. Fill us today, we pray, with the Spirit of Jesus, with your Holy Spirit, so that as we leave this place, we can go as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, as people filled with your Spirit, filled with your grace, filled with your love. You're sending us out into a world, God, that needs to know that grace, that needs some peace, that needs some hope, that needs to experience your love. So please, God, would you share it with them through us and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.